Perhaps you heard them recently as they headed north, their call far, far away, because sandhill cranes fly high above the earth. It takes some searching to see them, but it's a worthwhile effort for the chance to see the ever-changing patterns of their formations, the V's and W's, the arrows and arcs. With their long, graceful necks outstretched before them and their long, skinny legs pulled back behind them, They look like prehistoric creatures from the past, and indeed they are. The call of the sandhill crane sounds like a wooden rattle, if words can describe it. Dr. Leonard Gannis is head of the science department at Santa Fe Community College and a long-time student of bird migration. He says cranes don't have vocal cords, but they do have something called a syrinx. It's a structure that um, allows them to make sounds that are more like whistles, they can narrow and open, kind of like our, our vocal cords. They can narrow and open, uh, narrow and make bigger these openings. But the interesting thing is they have, because of the structure of the syrinx, they actually have two openings. So they can make two, two sounds, two independent sounds at the same time, which makes the, what we're hearing very complicated and very different than the kind of sounds that we make. And what is it they're trying to say? For the cranes, uh, they are oftentimes calling to each other, giving information about where they are um, to each other, and you will often hear them calling as they're flying. So they're doing this really energetic thing of flying, and it's almost like they're singing as they're going. And they also have territorial calls and, and things as well. So uh, songs and calls are have a variety of... Um, reasons why they're doing that. According to Wikipedia, sandhill cranes are social birds that usually live in pairs or family groups. During migration in winter, unrelated cranes sometimes come together to form survival groups that forage and roost together. Such groups often congregate at migration and winter sites, sometimes in the thousands. Oh yes, they do that here in New Mexico at Bosque del Apache National Wildlife Refuge in Socorro, where more than 10,000 sandhill cranes arrive in late October. They forage nearby fields during the day and return to the wetlands at dusk. Gannis explained how they prepare for the trip north. Uh, they do this thing which is called hyperphagia, which just basically means eating a ton. Uh, and they will eat and eat and eat, and they put on tremendous weight. Uh, they can double their mass in, in a short, in a matter of days. Other preparations for migration include molting, in which the bird sheds its old feathers and grows a new batch, which expedites flying. Other changes, Gannis says, are behavioral. Then they start to do this thing, which is my favorite German word, um, Zugunruhe, which is called migratory restlessness. So before they start migrating, they actually start having this behavior where they uh, get kind of anxious at night and they are flapping their wings and kind of flitting about and jumping back from, um, you know, making small hops and things like that. And that is getting them ready. It's basically getting their muscles ready for what's going to be a really hard, arduous journey. One writer said the reason birds migrate is to seek eternal spring, that is, warm weather and an abundance of food and water. 
Scientists and dreamers alike have pondered the internal clock of birds that sets this preparation process in motion. Right around this time of year, like the end of February, beginning of March, they start to leave our area and they fly up to Nebraska. They join hundreds of thousands of other sandhill cranes that have migrated from all across the southern parts of the United States. They spend a couple weeks uh, sort of concentrated. You can see some 800,000 cranes in a you know, 30-mile stretch of the river. And then as things warm up, sort of towards the end of March, beginning of April, these birds fly north and they spread out all across uh, the northern part of North America. Why do sandhill cranes fly so far every spring? They go in search of good places to nest, usually in marshes, bogs, or swales. There, both parents build the nest and incubate the eggs, usually two of them for about 30 days. Then the chicks hatch, already covered in down, their eyes open. Other birds do well in parks, yards, and places where soil is moist and insects and worms are plentiful. One example. The song of the American robin is legendary. Uh, well, their song is really beautiful. It's quite variable, and it's one of the, in the start of the day, they're one of the earliest birds to start singing. Gannis says robins may not go as far in their migration, but they do seem to be especially social in spring. In our area, we have uh, robins, American robins, that uh, are very common, and they're here year-round, but there's definitely times of year when there are more of them. Like right now, uh, in the spring, there are lots of um, robins around, and they, they seem to cluster up in these big groups. Um, and I think that what's happening is there are some birds that are here year-round. There are other birds that are migrating either through here or have spent some of the colder months maybe not even that far away, right? They don't have to go very far to have much milder conditions. They could go down, fly down towards Albuquerque. So there are some birds that are making these huge migrations across the world, and then there are some that are making these really short-distance uh, migrations across time. A report published in Science Magazine in 2019 revealed a decline of 29% of all birds in the U.S. and Canada since 1970. That's a loss of more than 3 billion birds. Gannis cites the Midwest as an example of a place where there was a huge decline. Most of that landscape, 99% of that landscape, that was formerly uh, very productive um, grasslands, has been converted into a different kind of grass that is productive for us, which is corn. Um, but the that corn is not productive landscape for birds. So the bird populations in those Midwestern states that the landscape has been turned into agriculture, those populations have, have dropped precipitously. 
One way that people might improve the living conditions and safety of birds, says Leonard Gannis, is to watch out for their habitats and be proactive. After all, birds play an important role in keeping habitats healthy. Thinking about putting pressure on political bodies to be thinking about those uh, sorts of protections and conservations of those habitats, um, and sort of thinking in the in sort of the landscape level of how do we um, have a landscape that will support these birds that we really love and want to keep coming through. For KSFR News, I'm Deborah Beagle.